Welcome to this episode of the Pot of the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Mahaney. Now, we've got some super exciting stuff to start out with here today before we get to our guest, Mrs. Doubtfire choreographer, Lauren Latero. Now, as you may have heard, we are starting out today with our very first episode of the summer series, The Women of Broadway, which is focusing in on some of the most badass female choreographers on Broadway's boards this year. Now, this season was an unprecedented year where of the 14 new Broadway musicals that came in or were scheduled to come to the Great White Way, 10 were choreographed by nine different women. Nothing like that has ever happened before. Now, I'm sure you're asking who choreographed two musicals. The answer to that is Sonia Taye. She choreographed Moulin Rouge, which opened last summer, and she was scheduled to bring Sing Street, which enjoyed a very successful off-Broadway run at New York Theater Workshop this past winter. But before I get too deep into the woods here, let me introduce to you some very exciting people. For this series, we're bringing on a couple of amazing co-hosts. Let me introduce to you now Broadway's Ellen Marie Marsh and Kevin Michael Raponi, two of my favorite three-name people. There they are. <laughs> um, Kevin, a legacy. A legacy. <laughs> a legacy. Um, Kevin and I have been fortunate enough to share a dressing room at Rock of Ages at New World Stages now for almost a year prior to the uh, COVID-19 shutdown. At Rock of Ages, Kevin is our assistant dance captain and one of our amazing swings. He has been all over the United States and New York City with shows like Nice Work If You Can Get It, Legally Blonde, and so many more. He's not only one of the funniest people I know, but he is one of the hardest working people I know and one of the greatest guys I know. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kevin Michael Raponi. There he is hey. right there. Hey. Mikey, you're so sweet to know. <laughs> Ellen Marie Marsh. <laughs> now, she, on top of being one of the other funniest people and coolest people on Broadway has been seen in shows like, uh, most recently, The Rose Tattoo, which is a play. She does plays and musicals, and also very, very awesome. Um, she was in Pretty Woman, Kinky Boots, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and, and Ron. Ellen is also the host of Broadway Trivia, which is now called Trivia Mania, which you can find live every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Theater Mania's Facebook and YouTube page. She also just released a brand new web series on YouTube called Gallery View, which is making fun of exactly what we're doing right here <laughs> meetings on Zoom. So make sure you check that out. Please welcome to the show, Ellen Marie Marsh. Oh, yes, thank yes, you. Yes, that, yes. Is a, that, that was a great introduction. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for being here, you guys. I'm so excited for you to share with everyone your brands of intelligence and comedy. I think it's going to bring a lot of fun to the series. Now this series. As I said, this was a huge year in terms of dance on Broadway because of the unprecedented crack in the glass ceiling that happened for female Broadway choreographers. And since there isn't a Tony Awards this season because it was postponed due to the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, we want to celebrate their work. So we're here to try to interview all nine of the women who were supposed to choreograph or did choreograph Broadway shows this year. Now, not long ago, I published a piece over on my blog, NYC Dance News and Culture, about this year, and it's definitely worth a read if you haven't checked it out. But I want to give you some statistics really quick before we bring in Lauren Latero. Now, I've been saying Latero, uh, but I've also heard Lataro. Uh, it's it's one of those things that everyone thinks they know, but no one actually knows which one is right. What do you what do you guys think? Latero. Tear. Tear. What do you think? <laughs> 
Should we take a bet? I think I'd take a bet. Cool. I'm going with Latero. I've heard I've heard both from people who've worked with her, and I'm just gonna say tear. Sarah, my <laughs> wife Sarah said Latero. I said Latero too, but we'll we'll see. We'll ask her. Um, before we bring on Lauren, I, I just want to give you a couple of statistics for Broadway choreographers that are female. This is based on statistics of the Tony Award for Best Choreography. I'll I'll let you guys guess the answers to these questions. So this year would have been the 74th annual, I think, Tony Awards. One Tony Award, the 1985 Tonys, there was not a Tony for Best Choreography because there wasn't an eligible candidate. So there has been 72 opportunities to have won a Tony Award for Best Choreography. Of those 72 opportunities, how many times do you think the winner of that was a woman? Any guess? 22. Oh, okay. Kevin? Nine. Kevin, if we were playing Price is Right rules, would have won. The answer is 12. But that's that's insane. It's 16% of the time out of 72 opportunities. It's not enough. Yeah. Only 12, the winner has been a woman. So how many times do you think the entire nominee field has been all women? One. Kevin? Two. Right. I won one. One time. It was one? Wow. One time. It was one? In, in the year 2000. I was going to say, it couldn't be zero. So no. I was just shooting with one. Yeah, it's, it's one. Of 72 times, only once has the field been all women. <sighs> and so get this. How many times has it been all men? 16. 16 years there have been yeah, that, all that male tracks. field. <laughs> four, of <laughs> those years, four of those years have been in the last decade. Okay. Yeah. Last yeah, question. <laughs> of the of the twelve women, or uh, sorry, of the twelve female winners for the Tony for Best Choreography, how many different women do you think have won the Tony? Oh, that's so good. So, to considering like multiple winners. Yeah. Of the same person, how many times, or how many how many different women? I feel like I know a few choreographers who have won multiple times. So now I'm thinking yeah. like I'm gonna go back to my nine. Okay. Okay. I was like I was gonna go with five, ones. but five seems so low bally. I'm gonna go okay, five. Seven. I said bally. Bally. That's good. I like bally. <laughs> the answer is seven. Only seven different women have won in seventy three seventy two chances to have won the Tony for Best Choreography. That's embarrassing. Seven. So twelve twelve times oh. the 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 winner has been a woman, but only seven different women have won it. Susan Stroman and Kathleen Marshall together have won five. Stro, I think, won four and Kathleen Marshall's won three. Meaning the only the other five awards have gone to Twyla Tharp, Anne Ranking, Jillian Gregory, Helen Tamiris, and Agnes DeMille, who tied with Michael Kidd in nineteen forty seven for the very first Tony Award for Best Choreography for her choreography work on Brigadoon. Crazy. Wow. So, seven First different all, women and all these That's years. amazing research, Mikey, number one. And that's <laughs> just like, that's just when you really, really hear the numbers, that's so embarrassing. It's crazy. Like, you just know that there are not a lot of women, but then when you really, like, you can't argue numbers, you know? It's, yeah. it's absolutely, it, yeah, I have a lot of time on my hands here. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> But you know what? I un I unearthed some some news that needed to be to be yeah. celebrated. Or, well, not celebrated to be to be pointed Rec out. Yeah, sure. This year we are here to celebrate that, and to do that we're going to interview as many of those nine different women as we can, starting today with our very first guest, who is Lauren Lataro. Lauren Lataro. Lauren Lataro. We're going to find out right now. Let's bring her on. Uh, there we go. Um, Kevin. 
What? I know you're for give us a give us a little <laughs> give us some Lauren letter. Oh yeah, by the way, we talked about this earlier. Oh yeah. We we took We've had a this. whole conversation about Let, this. I I say I was saying Latero. I was saying Latero. That's what everybody was going with. I think that was the consensus among everyone. Is it, what can you give us a definitive answer right now? Latero, Lataro? Me, I don't care. My real last name is Completero. And I oh. cut it in half. So it's really, oh, it's, it's whatever anybody wants it to be. It is so, very complicated. Compl- 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 I love Compl- that. Compl- yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there's the definitive answer. Okay. Kevin, take it away. Give us a oh my God, I'm obsessed. rundown. I'm obsessed. All right. Lortel, Estere, Drama Desk, and Cheetah Rivera Award nominated Broadway choreographer Lauren Latero is seemingly unstoppable right now. After her huge hit Waitress closed last December after an, after an amazing four-year run, Lauren is back on Broadway this season as the dance creator behind one of Broadway's most anticipated new musicals, Mrs. Doubtfire. On top of all that, Latero has recently worked on or been announced as the choreographer for the Goodman's production of The Outsiders, the public theater's new musical, The Visitor, the movie-turned-musical Almost Famous, the Huey Lewis and the News musical, The Heart of Rock and Roll, the public theater's Twelfth Night, Roundabout Theater Company's revival of Merrily We Roll Along, and even at the opera with the recent restaging of La Traviata at the Met. And on top of all of that, she is a Juilliard-trained dancer who, before becoming choreographer, was a veteran of 14, 14 Broadway shows. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Pot of Do podcast, Lauren Latero. Yes, she is. All right, Lauren, so let's get right into it. Mrs. Doubtfire, that's what you've been working on this season. That's what's on Broadway right now for you prior to the the pandemic industry-wide shutdown that we're all dealing with right now, which has personally affected you in a lot of ways, which we'll get to in a few. But give us a little bit of the insight about Mrs. Doubtfire. It's obviously a huge thing. So much excitement around the show right now. But tell us what it's been like getting the show to Broadway, what it was like working on the show out of town in Seattle, getting it to the city, and then also the opportunity for you to work with Jerry Zachs, who's a legend in the business. Yeah, I mean, the show is wonderful. Um, it is. It takes what the movie was and makes it even more empathetic. It's so funny. It's even funnier than the movie. Everything you love about the movie is there, but it does what a musical can only do, which is once people start singing, it kicks the emotions up like another 10 notches. So. I keep saying, uh, like, when you walk in with your family, you will leave being a closer family. And when you walk in just you, you will leave holding someone near to you as family that you didn't think of as family prior to coming to see the show. The show is very powerful that way, but it's also really funny. And Jerry Zachs is directing the show. You know, the man has more Tony Awards than, I mean, it's like a lot, it's crazy. and he's so wonderful and so smart, and he understands how to sort of juice out the most out of out of something that's funny. So between him and Rob McClure, you know, the two of them, we just, we laugh constantly at rehearsals and in previews, and I can't wait to get back into a theater where you hear like that entire audience, that uproarious laughter where everyone's laughing together. So I'm looking very forward to it. The show's really special. 
Yeah, totally. I, I We all feel the same way. Cannot wait to get back into that room with all those people celebrating this art form that we love so much. Now, obviously, the shutdown has affected Broadway in a way that it never has before. You have a personal connection to all of this. Your your husband is a doctor on the front lines of all of the 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 treatment and and everything that's happening right now. And and you have a very active social media presence, and uh, you've you've shared some of that with with the people that follow you. But I'm just curious, you know, on your end, what's it been like having the the show stop and sort of Broadway ground to a halt. It was crazy. It was crazy. You know, we, you know, we had three previews and they were all going so well. And by that third preview, there was really a buzz in the air that, you know, something was going down. And, you know, my husband was like, I think you guys are going to get shut down. I think one was going to shut down the city. And, you know, it all felt like the right thing to do. So, I mean, it was like surreal, you know, you're just, you're in the middle of rehearsal and then you stop rehearsal, you gather the cast. It was around three o'clock. You know, we just stopped what we were doing and we just, we basically, you know, said we love you all and, you know, go home and take care of your families and we'll let you know when we're back, but it's going to be at least four weeks. And of course, four weeks has turned into something longer once we are starting to figure out what all this means. And then meanwhile, you know, they stopped surgeries at, the hospitals across the city. My husband's at Mount Sinai. So, you know, the first step was like, okay, I'm not going to work either. They stopped all surgeries. All surgeries are canceled across the board. And then within a few days, it was clear that they were going to need all hands on deck. So the whole, he's a neurosurgeon, the whole neurosurgery surgery team basically rotated into COVID because they have, I guess, a similar, um, training for what this is they're they're sort of equipped for icu kind of help so yeah so you know we moved out of the house and my daughter and i have a two-year-old daughter so we packed up luckily my sister is not in her apartment right now she's out of town so we're we're, we like camped out in her apartment which was crazy (laughs) um which was fun but it's like not baby proofed and you know I went from being a full-time working mom to a full-time stay-at-home mom, and it was a little like, whoa, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, just get me back to work. Where's the nanny? So it was like, you know, but then after like a week, it actually was, it's been very special, very, very special time for my daughter and I, to be completely honest. But it definitely took like a week of whiplash to like, oh my God, what is happening, you know? And now I'm back home. So the COVID ICU has gone down enough in volume that uh, they don't need the extra doctors. So, you know, he tested negative, we came back home and now we're just cooking and cleaning. I was going to say your sister is either a very supportive sister with the moving out and the American Idiot posters on her wall or I'm back home. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that same thing. I was like, what a nice sister. It's like a little cheering section. Yeah, well, and Ellen, Ellen can can speak to this too. She's a mother, but you know, I, I, I can't imagine having kids during this and and having to sort of obviously you're not explaining in detail to what is going on, but you know, having to sort of navigate kids in this time has got to be something that's that's. I, I don't know. I don't. I I literally don't know. Yeah, awesome. Ellen, you probably have it a little harder just the explanation of it all the understanding of it my daughter just like oh cool we get to wear masks like she's just right so she's just happy mom and dad are around you know yeah 
Yeah. I think there's positives and negatives to having a younger one and an older one because the younger one needs so much more, you know, Arden needs so much more attention and, you know, that's such a difficult age. But again, the ex explaining something to someone that age is, is so complicated, I would imagine. But I feel for, I, I, I feel for all the moms that are with toddlers right now because, it's the hardest age. It's relentless. <laughs> it really relentless. is. Okay. So we've talked a lot about the pandemic, but I, this is a show about dance and uh, we want to talk about what we do and what we all love. So, so on Mrs. Doubtfire, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, is the choreography. And we, we talked a little bit about this in a piece that I wrote for Dance Network uh, a couple months ago about the choreography, but there are so many styles in this show. I mean uh flamenco and you know partnering tap so many different things how did you go about creating this and finding the inspiration to create all this choreography i mean the the music really you know the 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 writers of the book carrie and wayne kirkpatrick i mean they they wrote all these different sort of styles of music inside the show and it just called for these different things and i, I think so the music really led the way and then we i brought on a for the flamenco sequence i i choreographed a version of it by myself i took a semester of flamenco at juilliard <laughs> <laughs> um so it was like you know but it wasn't you know it's a comedy sketch so we sort of like loosely based it on flamenco and then once we got back to new york after we choreographed that in seattle i brought on a flamenco expert to just she came in and just spent like two hours with us just like helping with style and like oh maybe if you did this rhythm this might be more exciting so she sort of came in and um ariel rosales is her name and she came in and um we gave her credit in the playbill just to like make sure that I didn't, it, I didn't want it to feel not authentic in any way. So I just wanted an expert in there to help me out. So that's how the flamenco, the version you're seeing in New York, I'm very, very proud of because it feels like a beautiful marriage of something real and something theatrical that I just sort of jumped up. The other stuff, it's like, you know, the tapping is something that I do and MJ, my associate, is a phenomenal tapper and, you know, there's tons of partnering. I mean, you say disco, I say yeah. So I mean, like the disco <laughs> stuff is like my favorite you know and some of it's like the postmodern kind of stuff that i do there's a lot of subtle movement in there and then there's even some hip-hop so you know just sort of pulling out the old tricks you know it's just sort of doing stuff i love and listening to the music very closely and sort of deciding what kind of movement works with the music right that's that's awesome I'm, did you did you have a chance to to sort of explore a lot when you were in seattle with it or did you I mean, as far as your process is concerned, do you go into the room and come into the first day with everything done or are you building? I, yeah, well, I did about two weeks of pre-pro. I really enjoy pre-pro. I like getting uh, my friends in the room, dancers in the room, no pressure from the director or the producers or anything, you know, just like, just tabula rasa, sort of like, what is, what is this from the beginning? And then that way I can build dance breaks that I'm interested in building by myself and then I can propose the idea to a director and it, it's, it works well for me because then an idea is shaped already by the time I walk in the room and then the director can finesse it and manipulate it and help change it and of course everything changes once we're in the room but I'm not I never walk into the room with nothing done unless the director specifically asks for that there are certain directors who really want everything done in the room and I'm down with that that's awesome as long as I know the director is willing to be 
you know, to hang out while we create things. Not everybody wants to do that. Um, also, and Travis Waldschmidt is an old buddy of mine. I love that guy. And he is your swing and your dance captain, right? Yes. And Kevin is a swing and a dance captain. So I, I don't Kevin, talk a little bit about the idea of coming in, learning something that's brand new versus learning something that's already established. I think, I think what Lauren said is right. I think pre-pro is so fun. I mean, getting in the room and, and creating with a choreographer um, is just probably my favorite part of the, of the process. I think getting in the room um, and feeling different vibes and different beats and, oh, did you hear that drum rhythm? And somebody might not hear something that the choreographer hears. And it's kind of like a step in the right direction when creating a masterpiece. And as for being a dance captain, I think learning from people who have set the bar before you, ahead of you, is the, is the greatest experience that somebody could have in theater. It's just learning, constantly learning, not only from like, you know, your choreographer, but learning from your castmates as well. Right. It's such a, a collaborative way of working, which I think is, yeah. is, is the coolest way to do it. All right. We are going to take a quick break. But before we do that, we're introducing a quick little game here on the Pot of the Podcast uh, that we're calling the Hot Take, which is basically just a fun game of this or that. And it's hopefully a little bit more interesting and it provides some more random details for people out there who might be interested in learning more about Lauren Latero or... Also, Kevin Michael Raponi and Ellen Marie Marsh. So uh, <laughs> it's like literally 30 seconds long, but here we go. Rapid fire. The only rule to this game is, is that you cannot think. You just have to answer. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> 10 rapid fire questions. <laughs> this is a great one to start with for Kevin too. All right, Lauren. Heels or flats? Heels. 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 Yes, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wine or a cocktail? Wine. Cocktail. Wine. Nice. Wine for me, too. Would you rather read the book or see the movie? Read the book. Movie. Movie. Mm, voracious reader. A summer Monday. Are you in the Poconos in the mountains or are you at the beach in the Hamptons? I'm at the beach. Mountains. Beach. Yes. Cook at home or go to dinner at a restaurant? Ugh, restaurants. I can't wait for restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> so <too>. much cooking. <laughs> I know it's I know. not fair to ask Who that eats three right meals now. a day? Cook, uh, restaurant, <laughs> restaurant. Yeah, restaurant for me as well. Ultimately, West Coast or East Coast? Oh, East Coast. East Coast all the way. <laughs> <sighs> That's a tough one for me. I was born on the West Coast, lived on the East Coast. I don't know. Probably, probably West Coast. I haven't spent enough time in the West Coast and I like, I'm watching brothers and sisters right now and they live in Ojai and like, it's my dream, but uh, I'm an East, I think I'm an East Coast boy. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that same boat with Ellen. I was born on the, born in Los Angeles, living in New York for a whole long time now and back in LA right now. So I don't know. It's hard to say. I think maybe West yeah. Coast. All right. Snacks. Are you a salty person or a sweet person? Sweet. Sweet. Salty. Of course you are, Kevin. No shot. Give me those chips. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. 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 I knew I loved all of you. If you're drinking <laughs> coffee, are you drinking hot coffee or iced coffee? Hot coffee, even in the hottest days of the summer. <gasps> Iced, even in the coldest days of winter. <laughs> Iced during a snowstorm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I love hot coffee too, but I've recently been on that iced coffee kick um okay last one three albums you cannot live without if you're taking them on a uh, on a desert island three albums you got to take with you 
Ooh, oh, I hate this question. Oh, okay, gosh, I'd say um, Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie yes. Wonder, uh, Joni Mitchell Blue. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, like, I'd have to bring along something Broadway. I mean, but I'm a cornball. Like, y you might find me with, like, you know, I did Man of La Mancha, like, yes. Man of La Mancha cast album, or like, the Brian Smith you know, Mitchell one, though? Romance, uh. Romance cast album. <laughs> I love that album, Alice it's in Danger. Awesome. Yes, oh. Kevin, Ellen. Oh, I hate this one. <laughs> this I'm really definitely going to say Coldplay's Parachutes. Oh, okay. Uh, Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell Blue. I mean, you can't. I mean, like, if you need, please. And I, I want to say something old school. Whitney Houston, like hit after hit, bop after bop. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. That's so good. That's so tough. Um, I would say like a Prince Purple Rain. Ooh. Oh, good one. And a Mariah Carey music box moment, maybe. Um, and then I'm gonna go Broadway, and my my favorite Broadway album is the Aida album. Ooh. So I think I would, oh my gosh, I would so good. jump Warren, on that. Were you train. in that? Were you in Aida? No. And that's coming. You just back. throw out a, a show, and Lauren was probably in <laughs> it. Lauren's probably or, been in it. True. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good guess that she was in it, or she's choreographed it at this point. Yeah, um, I know. For me, let's say I would have to go. Um, John Mayer greatest hits, just like compilation mixtape album. Mm -hmm. um, mixtape. Yeah, uh, I would have to go. Uh, Garth Brooks the crossword puzzle album which i can't think of the name of it right now i'm an old school like grew up listening to country music isn't that weird um and then if i was going to take a broadway album i you know i i'm embarrassed to say this but i think i would choose rent because that was like the musical of my high school you know what i mean like i was yeah i wasn't like a rent head per se but i was definitely like the kid that was belting you know don't breathe too deep while driving windows <laughs> down on the freeway in high school. Totally. Um, okay, so got got Lauren's hot take. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna play a little mini Broadway trivia hosted by Broadway Trivia's own Ellen Marie Marsh. So we'll see you back in two minutes on the other side. We'll be right back. Hey listeners, it's Clara here. And it is Michael. Choreographers, raise your hand if you could use more time, space, and money to create your work. Oh my, it's like every hand in the city just went up. Like what? One, two <laughs> million hands? All of them. And we can all see them, them all from and our fingers, tiny too. windowless recording studio. All the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. We all know the answer is all of you. So enter the CUNY Dance Initiative or CDI. CDI is a residency program that opens the doors of City University of New York campuses to professional choreographers across New York City's five boroughs. They can offer you free space to create, teach, and perform, as well as financial support. CDI has already helped over 130 local artists launch new work, develop new audiences, and establish new relationships with NYC performing arts centers. And you know what? You could be next. Actually, Michael, we've interviewed a ton of CDI resident choreographers over the years, I think uh, during your tenure and before. And I will say they're just always such innovators in the dance community and they're a really diverse collection of artists. Yeah, so many incredible choreographers. You and I had the chance to talk with Tiffany Mills last year. Mm -hmm. We'll never, of course, forget Jess's awesome interview with 2019 Bessie Award winner, tap dancer Caleb Teicher. And a while ago, we talked to Efrata Sherry, who's a B-girl and a house dancer. 
talked to Annabella Lanzu, uh, Benny Royce Royan. We even got to interview the director of CUNY Dance Initiative, Alyssa Alpine. And you can find all of those interviews and more at potada.com as well as potada on iTunes. Now, missing this once a year application to be a CDI resident is heartbreaking. So do not let it happen to you. Make sure you jump over to the website, cuny.edu slash dance initiative and join their email list. And check out the homepage for application alerts, insider ticket discounts, and so much more. And if you just love dance, make sure you follow at CDI underscore dance on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay. Back to the pod. Oh, welcome back. Thanks for listening to that ad from CUNY's CDI program. It is time to play a little Broadway trivia, which Ellen Marie Marsh is going to host. Now, you can also catch Ellen hosting Broadway trivia every Thursday night, by the way, live on Theater Mania's YouTube and Facebook page. So, Ellen, what? Uh, how are we going to do this? Is, should, should so, why don't I... you and Kevin be a team? Okay. And will you guys play against Lauren? Okay. Great. Okay. That sounds good. That's, I mean, it's not that's very fair. fair. Sorry, yeah. Lauren. But... It's, it's a smoker and some Broadway <laughs> no, trivia. No, two brains against fine. one. We'll okay. see what happens. We'll see. All right. Here's how we play. I'll ask each team a question. You get a few seconds to come up with the answer. If you don't know it, the other team can steal. First yeah. to three points win. We good? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to start with Lauren. Lauren, here's your first question. Who choreographed the 2016 Broadway musical that played the Brooks Atkinson Theater featuring a score by Sarah Bareilles and featured Jesse Mueller as a pie-serving waitress? Um, I think that was me. <laughs> that's that a trick question. <laughs> yes! Lord, I feel like Rocky in Rocky Three. Okay. <laughs> this better be like who, which two people that on the Pot of Do podcast are in the company of Rock of Ages. That better be this question that you're going to give us right now. Yeah, um, it's very fair. close. Okay, so um, Kevin and Michael, first question. What theater did the 1947 production of Allegro play? <laughs> what? And the, the this is a simple question. Yeah. Of Allegro? yeah, maybe if my grandmother was here, she could help me out. <laughs> Come on. Questions. Uh, questions. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Michael, I don't the, know. I'm sorry. The the palace is that was that even there in 1947? I don't know. Um, I mean, Lauren, do you want to steal? I don't know. Yeah, totally. You guys, it's the Majestic Theater. It's the Majestic Theater. <laughs> I should have known. known. You knew that. Beauty and brains. Okay. 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 Question back to Lauren. Which 2020 this. choreographer made their Broadway debut in the 1999 production of Kiss Me? Kate? Oh my God. <laughs> Ellen Fawn. I will tell you, actually, even though it's not an IMDb, Kiss Me Kate was actually my second Broadway show. Oh. oh! The first Broadway show I ever did was in 1999. Also, it was Swing. Oh! Why is that? Why is that not on IMDb? I don't know why, and I'm not I sure Fosse's on there either. Yeah, Kiss Me Kate was my third show. Swing oh. was my first. Fosse was my second. Kiss Me Kate was my third. Wow! Oh, so can we steal? <laughs> no, <that's not. laughs> we we got it. It was Swing. It was Swing. 1999. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I love Swing. I saw that on Broadway. Yeah, and that was the year, by the way, which we'll we'll get to in a little bit. 2000, the 2000 Tony Awards, was the only year, other than maybe what would have been 2020, where the entire field 
of choreographer nominees for the Tony Award for Best Choreographer were all women. Which wow, that's never, wild. Which has never happened before. It was Lynn Taylor oh, Corbett, Susan wild. Stroman, and guess who directed Swing? Jerry Zach. Jerry Zach. Yeah. Oh my wow. gosh. We should get a point circle. for me knowing that. Isn't that crazy? That full is very circle. Crazy. cool. Very that very cool. Beautifully full circle. Okay, over to Michael and Kevin. Here we go. <laughs> who are now down three points. <laughs> Which right. means right. if you don't get this and Lauren steals the answers, you guys, you guys are done. You guys you are just out. go home. It's done. You're gonna go home. <laughs> Wait, we are and home. It's canceled. Who wrote the 1925 play "A Lady's Shut Virtue"? Up. Lauren Latero. <laughs> because she's done everything else. Lauren. La Lauren. <laughs> Lauren Latero's <laughs> uncle's mom. <laughs> I, Should I, I get it? I don't. I have no. William friggin' Shakespeare. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Lauren, but do you want to steal? Lauren, Lauren it, is it, it was Rachel Corthers, you guys. No! <laughs> you guys. You are li literally horrible. Look at being this, set up. This is a setup. This is an absolute setup. <laughs> okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. For the last question, this will be all in. So whoever answers this question first wins they get 27,000 points and they won the game. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. For the group, how many performances did Awe Wilderness play in its Broadway debut in 1933? <laughs> this is pretty easy, guys. This is a gimme. I, is it? Is it? 14. I don't know. Lauren knows it. Lauren knows it. I could I'm going to take a guess. Take a guess. 289. Two hundred and eighty-nine. Come on! Come on! Uh, this oh, is this is the game ever. Somebody is cheering very loudly. Someone's for cheering oh, for that. Two eighty-nine. Talented. She's smart. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks for indulging me, guys. Oh my All god, right. that was. <laughs> uh, that was absolutely ridiculous and a hundred percent a setup. I know. It. Um, I don't know. Okay. What <clears throat> yeah, I know. I'm sure you don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get us back on track here so we we can we can wrap this up if people are still listening getting us back on track here take us back to the beginning of your career lauren you how did you find your way to dance initially can you hear me my daughter's screaming in the background you yeah. might be able to hear it do you need we to go check on her do you need to like do if you need to do can something. you hear her yeah but that's okay it's all right it's Love okay it. oh, yeah. okay so the <laughs> yeah. question was about my how I got started. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was always dancing. Like, like even before I ever took a dance lesson, I was telling people I was going to be a dancer. And I'm not sure if that's just what every little girl does. You know what I mean? Or it was like, my husband says that basically I can't do anything else. He feels like an alien spaceship came down, pushed me out and said, dance, you know, so like, <laughs> I literally have no other skills. So I just was always dancing. And then I, I used to like skip school in high school and take a bus from Jersey to Broadway Dance Center to take dance classes. And I started training in ballet in the city. And then I basically skipped school without telling my parents and auditioned for Juilliard. And then really? I got a call back. Then I had to tell them. <laughs> you skipped school to audition? Yeah. Yeah. My wow. junior year. They say a woman who behaves never makes history. So <laughs> yeah. there you go. There Breaking you go. the rules. That's awesome. I love that story. That's awesome. Well, not only did you get a call back, you got into Juilliard, which is. Yeah, I don't know how, because I wasn't really, I had a lot of passion and I was trained 
well, but I did not have the ballet technique that everybody else in my class had. And I got in somehow despite that. I think I choreographed my solos. They liked my solos. Like they thought, I think they thought they, I think they thought I had some spunk, but my freshman year, they made me take two ballet classes a day and do 100 tendus into um, a bath of hot water every night. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like remedial Juilliard student my whole freshman year. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. That's so, okay. Wow. I That's think like that center actually, stage. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, totally. This is totally center stage for me. Totally. I was just in a Q and A the other day, and they had uh, some of the some of the teachers had said the importance of ballet, and yes. now being on the other side, can you? Can, would you say that that's the, if you could go back, that was the one thing you would do better or do you think? Yeah. I mean, growing up, yes, of course. And the one thing I would say to everybody who's working is like, you have to continue to take class. Like, you know, you talk about the thing that Julia taught me was how to live life as an artist and how to work at it. And it's like, after your first Broadway show, you're not going to get to your 14th if you're not in class every day. You know? Right. Yeah. That's right. great advice. I think yeah. especially now, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but with all the like, you know, I, I listen, I love So You Think You Can Dance. I love those things, but it's all about the flash. And I think that, you know, going back to the basics and really like how your body moves and how you do it correctly is, I don't know if it's skipped over more now. I don't, I don't know. Do you see that in like the younger generation that they're a little bit more flashy and not as rooted in technique? Um, I think some of them are, are doing it all. You know what I mean? The ones that are well-trained can do ballet really well. You know, they have good technique and they do that other stuff well. And yeah, sure. There's a lot of schools that still, you know, fly over that stuff and just teach the tricks and it's unsustainable, you know? And it's not, the artistry of it is, is just, is thinner, you know, so. Yeah. So you took the bus up to the city to take class at Broadway Dance Center and you, you go to Juilliard. So you get out. How do you, give us the step between Juilliard and swing. How did that happen? Oh, I, when I graduated from Juilliard, um, I danced with Martha Graham for about nine months and um, they weren't really doing much touring at the time. Uh, it was sort of a tumultuous time in the company. So it was sort of unsatisfying for a young dancer with all this energy. I just wanted to be performing. So um, Momix was having auditions. I, so I jumped ship and auditioned for Momix and got in. So then for two years after I graduated from Juilliard, I just traveled all over the world with Momix, which which is sort of like Palabolus, you know, it's Moses Pendleton's company. And it taught me a lot about choreography because we choreographed all of our own work. And I traveled all over the world for two years. And it was very exciting for the first year. And it was very exciting, you know, the first time you're in Italy, then the second time you're in Italy, then like by the fifth time you're in Italy, you're like, I'm homesick. Right. So I, I always sang and I always, you know, always wanted to be on Broadway. So I just was like, I think, I think I just want to do this. And I auditioned for Swing, and it took me eight times. I got cut because I had no equity card. I was non-union, right. you know. Right. And on the eighth audition, I got the job. Wow. Okay. That's, that's amazing. That's great. So, and then you go on to 14 other Broadway shows. That's a, that's a good lesson of perseverance. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, show up eight times. At least, keep going, right? Continue yeah. on. And then all the while, you seem to have had this choreography bug 
you've done so many different styles of musicals too, like Swing, uh, Moving Out, which was that Twilight Tharp, amazing contemporary stuff, American Idiot, which is Stephen Hoggett's like very pedestrian style work, How to Succeed. D- do you just feel like you're naturally able to could be a chameleon of style or, or how does yeah, that, because how does it's that just work? Da- just all dancing. I don't even think of it as style. It's just sort of like, it's just sort of movement. It's all movement to me. I, you know, you know, especially like leaving the Juilliard scene and the concert dance scene. It's like swing was 10,000 times harder than anything I've ever done in all my years of concert dance. Like uh, there's no, all that intellectual BS about, you know, different styles and different, you know, what's harder or what's aesthetically more interesting or hoity-toity. I, I don't buy into any of it. I mean, it all is hard. It all is awesome. And it's just sort of like when you're in the room, whatever story you're in, letting your body behave as that choreographer and that director want your body to behave as. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, really. it's also about having a basis of technique that just gives you the freedom to then do anything on top of it. I mean, at Juilliard now, they're teaching hip hop twice a week. Like they're pretty, they're getting it now. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to expand because of the world of So You Think You Can Dance and that world of dance world that's that's sort of overtaking the television side of this this whole dance industry is sort of driving that need to be a chameleon of style. But, you know, you're that original old school Broadway version of that, which is so like rooted in technique and artistry, which is so cool and and so different and and i guess that's you know looking back at like mrs doubtfire why you have this ability to pull out all of these different styles oh, right, which is which is very cool last question that we want to sort of talk about before we wrap things up here is this incredible unprecedented year on broadway i mean you look at this season and and the fact that you are one of nine women who choreographed 10 new musicals of 14 that were that either came in or were supposed to come into broadway this year what does that mean to you? What do you think that means for representation? And, and where do you think we, we go from here? I mean, it's awesome. You know, they're all amazing choreographers. I think, I think it's changing slowly. I find myself still being the only woman in the room or that it's like there's two women in the room where there's 15 men. But I think that it's changing. And I have found, first of all, I approach things as an artist. I happen to be a woman. So certainly I have insight into certain things and I have found that um, people, my collaborators are always interested in what I have to say about it. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not like, you know, I'm not pedantic about it or mean about it, but it's like, I'm not sure that a woman might say that a woman, I don't know, think about it this way. What if she felt, you know, you sort of just propose again, put a proposal on the table about something. So I find that my male collaborators are very open to hearing a perspective that they might not have thought about before. And at the same time, I also feel like they see me as equals and I don't get a sense of anything uh, weird in the room with either men or women. I mean, I know I've been very lucky, but I think as a whole, uh, just having more women on creative teams really just, again, make sure that everything we're saying on stage is more truthful. And if we want um, equality to be a thing, we have a big responsibility in theater to to we're always leaders we're always social leaders what you see on stage we we try and create worlds on stage that we want the world to become and we have to do the same thing behind the scenes creatively oh that's good i do i do love that that you say that 
um, you know, we're all, we all are artists, but I have to say as a woman, every time I see a press release with your name in it, I'm like, yes, Lauren, like, you know what I mean? It's like, you're like taking over the world and Camille, I mean, I'm a, a huge Camille fan and I do though have such a more of a visceral reaction when I do see, I mean, you're a role model, you're a role model for young dancers with your, you know, extensive and beautifully long Broadway career. And now you're a role model as a choreographer. So yes, you are an artist, but to so many women, you're so much more than that because you, you, we are very, very underrepresented. And I think you're right. It's changing, but I think that it is just when I, I, you just, especially the past couple of years, man, you have just blown up and it, it like, it chokes me up because, you know, um, I saw a taste of things to come when it was in Chicago. I sent you that message and it's just like every, with every little step that you and your, um, you know, the other women of this year are making, it's just, it, I'm like really getting choked up about it. It, It's just, it's, it's meaningful. It's important. So even though you are an artist, you're, you're a female leader in our community. And I just, I think that where you've gone with your career is just astronomical and I just seriously every time I see your name I'm like yes (laughs) you know it's honestly it's the same thing that that it's like why we're all still here and it just the the stuff that the resume just racks up I mean it's fun to frame it that way but it's it's actually the opposite it's like when you love what you do and you don't mind hearing the word no so often and you just keep plowing through and you sort of I just say like you drive, I drive my little dance car around the nose and going towards the yeses. And for every Broadway show I have, there's been five that I didn't get. And it's like, you know what I mean? And it's like, you just keep going and, um, and you learn with each thing. And if you stay humble and you stay a student and you just, you know, it's like American idiot. It's like, um, I got that job because somebody else turned it down. They didn't want to be an associate. And I was like, I'll be an associate to learn from Stephen Hoggett, absolutely. And right. it's like, thank God I did, because it really opened up a whole new world of movement for me, which was mind-blowing for me. It's like, at this point in my life, I thought I knew everything about dance. And then I left that show feeling like I relearned everything about movement. And um, so it's like, just stay open, be, you know, it's like, so... And then things will happen. I mean, and that's how I'm approaching this too. It's like, we're all on pause, but we will move past this. Theater has, you know, w- you know, the Roman Empire fell, theater still moved forward. World War II happened, theater still came out after shutting down for a long time. The AIDS epidemic, you know, you know so we will prevail sooner or later, for sure, because the need to tell stories around a campfire is as old as people are. Right. Wow. <clears throat> Yeah, that's so good and so true and and so um, necessary, I think, for everyone to hear right now, to remember that. Lauren, you are just so wonderful, such an inspiration to to us and and to so many people. And we we want to to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. You know, I know everybody says that they're home and not doing anything right now, but but we all know that, that we all have lives that we're leading even during this and it's still crazy. So, so thank you for setting aside some time to, to hang out with thank us. Thank you. And, and thank you for putting up with Ellen's ridiculous antics and unfair game. But 
<laughs> she won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you're right. She did. You, 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 she did win. But and for everybody listening out there, you can uh, keep up with Lauren. Follow her on her very active and fun uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts. Which you can, Lauren. Uh, what are your handles, just so people can follow you? Oh God, I don't know. I think on Twitter, I think I'm at Lauren Lataro, and on Facebook, you can Facebook friend me, and I think it's just my name. Yeah, and I think on Instagram, you're just. Latera. Oh, cool. I think. I think. I'll double check. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I must have been yeah. feeling cool that day. <laughs> um, and while we're at it, make sure you check out Broadway Trivia, where Ellen, Ellen, can you tell people where they can find that one more time? Sure. We're on Instagram at Broadway Trivia. Yeah. And the live shows too on Thursdays, correct? Yeah. We're on Theater Mania. Uh, you can go and sign up on Theater Mania if you want to come play with us live on Thursdays at 7 p.m. That's right. And then you can also, please, if you haven't checked out, my brand new blog is out. It is NYC Dance News and Culture, which you can find at nycdancenews.com. There is a ton more of what we're doing right now coming up on Potida. We've got, our quest is to get all nine of the women who were slated or did choreograph Broadway shows this year. Uh, We do have a lot of amazing guests lined up. So we've got some interviews coming out. So make sure you keep checking Potida social media and the website. You can find Potida on Twitter and Instagram at Potida and uh, like us on Facebook, drop a comment. Make sure you tell us what you like, what you don't like. And lastly, make sure you follow us. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Michael Mahaney. Kevin, what's your socials? I'm really cool, just like Lauren and I'm just at Raponi. Yes. <laughs> Heels and all. Heels Ellen, and all. Ellen, what are you? I'm at Ellen Marsh with a Y, so uh, E-L-L-Y-N on all the things. On all the things. And thank you guys so much for being champions of dance, Ellen and Kevin. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you, listeners. We appreciate you guys so much. We wouldn't be here without you. And we will be back very soon with more Pot of the Podcast and more of the badass women of Broadway. We will see you all very soon. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Lauren. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.